a bit weird isn't it just me sat here on my own talking into a microphone but welcome along to the very first candy pants podcast my name's nick and this is actually something we've wanted to do for quite a while as an events company with parties across the uk europe the middle east and america it puts us in a pretty unique position to be able to speak to all kinds of weird and wonderful people from across the world in giving you the chance to hear the story of them and their journey so far. So what better place to start than with the man who started it all for us? Ray Chan started Candy Pants back in 2008 in a small nightclub in his hometown. He went on to take the brand around the world, building a restaurant, a clothing brand and a music label along the way. At this point, I should probably say, I've never really done a podcast before, so part of me hopes no one's listening. But if you are, I very much hope you enjoy the first episode of the Candy Pants Lifestyle Podcast. This is the journey of Mr. Ray Chan. Ray, welcome along. Thank you very much for being our first Candy Pants Podcast guest. So to get things started, we'll just jump straight in. If you had to explain what Candy Pants was to, say, someone who's never heard of it, what would you say? Uh, I would say that um, since 2008, through a lot of hard work, um, that Candy Pants is now possibly a global lifestyle brand with weekly and monthly residences across um, the UK, Marbella, Dubai, Ibiza, and... We also host host or have hosted parties um, in the Middle East, America, and different parts of Europe. So how did you get into throwing parties, like just right from the start? Um, a bit of a random one, really. I didn't really set out to uh, – I didn't really set out and have a, a career path or a, or a sort of direction when I was growing up. But um, when I was at sixth form, I took it upon myself to throw um, the sixth form parties – um, right. for everyone and it was I'd say there's I can't remember there was maybe somewhere between 150 to 200 people across the forms and then you get like other colleges and whatnot that kind of cotton on to things and everything yeah. um, but I remember having to go down there and pitch that it was an 18th birthday or a 19th birthday and then um, the day of the event at about 10 to 3 the manager and the security guard pulled me to one side um, out the sort of back, they pulled me out there, and I quickly grabbed my mate, um, my mate from sixth form, Matt, uh, who's a lot bigger than me. Um, I dragged him out with me, and um, the guy's like, "Look, everyone here is underage, aren't they? They're, you're all like sixteen or seventeen. Um, and I just kind of like went, "Well, um, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, we're all underage." And you know, he he kind of looked at me like he wanted to grab my neck and give me a slap, <laughs> but. Um, he kind of, it was 10 to 3, so he must have known. Um, but yeah, that was my uh, first experience of throwing a party. So from that, how did Candy Pants come about? Um, I mean, I, I, th- I went from 
sixth form parties to university um, and I ended up being involved with um, a company that organized student parties um, and then I ended up sort of doing my own student parties um, so around 21 22 um, I took a bit of a break from it because um, I'd sort of seen a lot of that party side you know you get your parents and you get family going you're going to get a proper job um, and I was kind of maybe under a bit of pressure to pursue a career down you know a proper career path with yeah. you know wear a shirt and a tie and whatnot um, but obviously something inside me has always given us um, a fuel for um, the industry and the night and, and and this particular business so I was watching the market for quite a while and I noticed that there was just nothing um, there was nothing appealing to a 21 plus crowd uh, outside of pubs bars and clubs that had um, sort of you know sweaty ceilings sticky floors and, yeah. and a fist pumping environment that's where it started to in the sort of creative juices were being pulled together and um, and that's kind of where it started really um, and that was in um, like I said earlier that was that was in 2008 and the idea was just to pull together a concept that was fun accessible um safe um with commercial commercial music for everyone but in a nice environment um the the very first party we had um was um a party box uh, full of props um i think you know that being was from day one a, a sort of staple consistent element within the brand it's become iconic for a lot of people and I'm sure when people see a silly hat, a big pair of glasses or inflatable, they know it's candy pants, but, you know, it really helps with that um, social interaction, especially at the events. And, you know, we want everyone to have fun and it kind of doesn't matter if you spend five grand or five pound, you know, it was, everything's built so that everyone else, you know, um, is leveled out and there's no sort of hierarchy within, you know, the events. Do you know what? I think that's something that when I first met you, that you kind of talked to me about how important that was for Candy Pants. And I think that really struck a chord with me because I think in nightclubs, there's such a culture of prioritizing people who spend a fortune. But at the end of the day, the money that someone's got left at the end of the week, whether that be £5 or, as you say, £5,000, it's after they've paid their bills, they've bought everything they need to pay. It's the money they're spending with their free time however much that is, that means a lot to them. And for them to choose to spend that with you as a brand, obviously that's quite valuable, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. I think um, we, you know, I've always had a vision of doing things long-term and it's never been about the short-term gain. Um, so, you know, I've applied that theory um, across all the businesses, all the projects, and I've always educated that within all the team. Um, so, to go back a couple of steps, something that you mentioned yeah. there, I think that anyone, to be honest, most people who understand what Candy Pants is, you mention it and what comes to mind is, you know, the big glasses, the big hats, the, whether it be a court board or the inflatables, or even if they're old enough to remember, you know, the original Candy Pants girls with, you know, the knee-high socks and the hot <laughs> pants. Like, <laughs> like where yeah, did all that well, come from? Um, I think that, you know, when we when we started out it was you know the world was probably in a bit of a the, the sort of early early part of social media and we kind of 
Um, being born in 2008, we kind of grew with that Facebook culture. And obviously, you know, that's evolved into other platforms now um, that we're all familiar with. And outside of the fancy dress box, we had a, we had a, um, a team of um, candy girls. Um, yeah. The candy girls have, have become, you know, the backbone of the brand. Um, it's like one big happy family. But back then, um, the girls had a uniform, um, not like they are today, but they had um, a pair of little red hot pants and little white and red striped knee-high socks. And obviously, it became the talk of social media. It became the talk of the UK. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it's what a certain generation of audience of candy pants and part of that family will remember but four or five years into into the sort of brand development i felt like it was a bit of a there was it was time to sort of evolve and grow and made the decision to sort of remove the um pants and socks uh, which was you know which which came with a lot of disappointment from a yeah. lot of male friends um <laughs> And, you know, the, the girls still stayed, you know, the candy girls still continued, but they were, um, um, in their own sort of dresses and whatnot. Yeah. And that was, uh, an involvement, I would say. Um, and I think that that adjustment has probably, you know, I'd say paid off, but I think there was periods where when we had the pants and socks that there was, it, it may have deterred girls to come. Right. And that was a big reason why I wanted to sort of make the changes. And I feel like, and I don't know about yourself, Nick, but I think that we're probably a 65% female friendly brand, you know, yeah. in terms of the, you know, in terms of the numbers that come to all the events, you know, on average, um, across, across the sort of year. So, so yeah, that was one big involvement. So I guess that kind of brings us to like five years in. It's yeah. kind of gone from being, you know, once every so often to me, once a month in Leeds to once a week or however often yeah. it was. Where did it kind of go from there? Um, so, yeah, um, in that first five years in, I think it was around 2000, I think it was 2011, we got asked to do um, a, a weekender in Marbella. And, you know, that was sort of like, oh, this is, this is, not what we expected. You know, I, I, I called around the team and obviously everyone went, yeah, we're coming. Yeah. Um, so I think there was about 20 of us um, from um, a, a, a mixture of candy girls to resident DJs to like managers and, and friends that all help out. And we all, we all basically, basically flew into Port Benus. And I think that our lively approach and being a, a sort of really colourful bunch of people brought about a breath of fresh air into the port. Uh-huh. And after a couple of successful events, um, we got the call later that year um, to have our first ever summer residency in 2012. And obviously, before you even got to Marbella, it was kind of, you hadn't just stayed in Leeds, you kind of gone across England and Dunbeck, yeah. major cities. How much did that help when you went to somewhere like Spain? Did you have yeah, this it, footprint everywhere around the UK? Yeah, it helped massively. I mean, end of the day, like in that sort of first few years, we really built up um, um, a great um, following around the UK. You know, at, at that point, there was you know not as much going on. You know, so you know, and there was there was other you know there was other parties and whatnot, but we were definitely sort of like 
um, a market leader at that time. So, you know, that helps all, all that awareness audience, that connection really helps fuel that Marbella in the, in the sort of early years, which has kind of, you know, made us a, uh, which gave us the footsteps really into being a, a, a brand that everyone associates with Marbella. We, we got the residency at a nightclub called Tibu every Thursday. And, you know, we were the talk of the town and we kind of grew from there really. So, you know, it, me being me, I was never one to stand still. And I think the following year I sort of identified that, um, no one was really doing boat parties there. So, um, we started dipping our toe, um, into that and, you know, it, it kind of the boat part is kind of as you, as you remember, Nick. That it, it was quite a, a, a wild, remember, yes. a wild <laughs> um, period. But they were every week we were selling them, selling them out. And I think that you know it kind of got to it got to a point where you know we had a really really good lineup in um, in the port, and we were really well known. But um, I think in two thousand seventeen. Um, I started to think about things in a different way um, because we launched fashion, yeah. um, uh, the fashion side of the business, and it, you know the focus initially was women's swimwear, and that was launched in seven, the summer of seventeen. And I think that the winter of seventeen made me reflect and think about sort of um, things on a, a development level where we needed more daytime daytime events to expose the bikinis and the swimwear and everything so it was a difficult decision but we made um we stopped doing the boat parties um that uh, following year and we moved to a beach club in port of called plaza beach for our day element and as a result of that our evening partners um was the newly opened um mirage nightclub and that's where we operate today so just to go back a step, you mentioned obviously about the boat parties mm. and stuff. And I yeah. think probably whether people have noticed or not, I mean, I noticed even before I was involved. Um, obviously, we did, you did the boat parties before that was kind of a thing in Marbella or really mm. many places. Even in Dubai, you've done kind of pool parties based around afternoon tea. The events mm. have always been a little bit kind of trying to do things differently. Is that something that you kind of, you have purposely tried to do from the start? Yeah, um, I just think that, you know, like, like I said, I think I mentioned, I touched on it before, but, you know, for us, it's always about trying to just to do things, do things a bit differently. You know, I don't like to um, copy or go down a, um, a certain route and, I, and I'd rather much do something that's never been done. So, um, you know, that's the kind of thought process. Because, I mean, you said something those, there about obviously... Yeah always try to do things differently and kind of I don't know this is probably a difficult one to ask but you know it seems like now everywhere you go there is parties with pool boards they've got hats mm. party props so <laughs> people do like obviously have kind of seen that and thought oh that's a good idea we'll do that and maybe copied a little bit does that like bother you or not <laughs> to be honest it doesn't really bother me as much as it bothers you Nick um, but <laughs> That is very good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting better. As a compliment I, I am under the day. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you are. <laughs> Imitation but, is the biggest yeah, form yeah. of flattery, I'm told. 
I keep telling myself exactly, that. <laughs> exactly. If trends happen because of what you're doing, then you 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 you're on the right path. So it's cool. So talking of paths, if we try and keep following yours, yeah. You mentioned earlier it's obviously the Dubai thing came about, which obviously a lot of people will know Candy Pants for now. But how did that kind of that journey start? Um, so it was back in 2012 and I made the decision to like try break into London and we threw a few parties and then all of a sudden, uh, Dubai came calling and I just thought, well, London is our, is our capital. It's, you know, it's, it's on our doorstep. It's not going anywhere. Never heard of Dubai before as in never been, not sure what it's about, but you know, um, what year was let's this? give let's give this a go. Um, we did we did um, a pop up party um, at Cirque in October 2013. And this is like yeah. it's almost before kind of I suppose before Dubai became cool, like Dubai. became the place to go to. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, we were kind of like um, you know the first in, one of the first in maybe. You know, it, it showed that like. Uh, the brand was growing and was transferable across different areas, um, which kind of led us into the beginning of 2014. And we got offered a six month uh, monthly residency at um, a nightclub um, in Dubai called Mavida. And that was till the summer. Um, that Those again went really well, um, really busy. Uh, we We got a lot more, support on radio and things like that um and you know it, it just showed that sort of how much how far the branded uh, has gone and i think that the uk and especially the marbella side of things helped accelerate that i mean i'm still now obviously i've been involved for candy plants for a few years but i was probably i'm still kind of more than a few <laughs> more than a few but i'm still kind of the baby compared to other people um yeah and i remember when I was, I mean, I was at uni at the time. I wasn't involved in Candy Pants and I was running kind of like um, kind of student events while I was at university. And I remember my bosses telling me that they were going to Dubai because Candy Pants were doing their first event in Dubai and they were going to support them. And I remember as like a 20-year-old kid who was kind of involved in nightclubs and stuff, just finding that completely mind-blowing. Just that thing of being, first of all, how the heck have they grown a party from a city in the UK? They've done, obviously, the whole... Candy Pants was, to me, seemed huge anyway. But the fact that it had gone to Dubai just kind of blew my mind. Still blows my mind occasionally when I actually think about it. Um, but I guess it's um, like... My, my vision has always been to think long term and, and be and chip away at it, work hard, be consistent. And I guess that, you know, uh, and, and there's a bit of fate as well in directions that, you know, where, where things take you. And I think that the Dubai, the Dubai um, era was probably supposed to happen because there's a lot of friends that, you know, I went to uni with um, that all ended up here and they're still here now. So, so I think that like the Dubai journey, I think there'll probably be a lot of people listening to this who might be yeah. a little bit surprised by the whole Cirque thing. Cause you know, I've seen a lot of people who, who when they say, Oh, how did Candy Pan start in Dubai? You mentioned 2013 and Cirque and to them, it's like, Oh really? I just thought it was, it started you. with when brunch started. 
Um, well, I think that having now sort of been going 12 years, um, you get new, you get new, um, people that discover the brand, you know, every week. So the people's, people's, um, association or connection with the brand will, will come at different stages. And, and I think that there's a probably a, you know, as we've got, we've got bigger and bigger and bigger, especially over the sort of the past five, five, six years, there's a lot of people that forget that we're, um, you know, we, we started in a little town called Leeds and, you know, we, we were more than a, you know, we were doing things in nightclubs before we were doing brunch. And, um, but I guess, you know, if people know us for our reputation, reputation of brunch, it, it shows that we've done something right. I remember after the, after asking you to do like a recce, um, it was, it was then, well, how do we make this work? And it got my brain working. And when that call came, it was a kind of like, right, okay, this is um, time to put that sort of thought process and accelerate it um, a little bit further. And yeah, do you remember when we rocked up to the Habitat Grand that day? I think it was middle of December, 2014, with two big bags of fancy dress. Uh, and the, <coughs> the management, um, the staff were looking at us like we'd come from Mars. It was like, who like, are these two clowns? <laughs> like, why yeah. are they here? Why have we had to get up early on a Friday? Um, yeah. And it's funny to look back now, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as the day unfolded, um, I think there was about, what, maybe about 80 people at the first first event. And I remember the sort of management were baffled by all these inflatables, all these big hats, all these giant glasses. And... And weirdly, me and you running round, but you know, I, I felt like it was the the makings of what we know brunch as now. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't straightforward because I remember week two was fifty people. I think week three was Boxing Day. There was fifteen people there, and I think that was um, the owner and his friends. And um, I remember you panicking, but equally, I saw the the sort of medium to long term of it and if we stick to our vision stick to our consistency of what we do it will work we were kind of saying if we can get into people's referrals of something to do in dubai then we probably um built the the first stage of what we wanted to do in the city um and i think it was was it later that year when we when we won that timeout award i think so i think what was interesting is obviously I think it's strange to say it now, but when you yeah. look back, like we've kind of, I suppose, built something that didn't exist at the time. I mean, party brunches wasn't really a concept. Like, yeah. this is like 2014. It's not now where kind of mm. it's, it, everyone knows what a party brunch is. Like, there wasn't yeah. a category in the awards. Well, they, they, they became well, well, but yeah. Yeah, there certainly wasn't a category because I remember being in, in my bed in the UK, getting a load of messages one night and, uh, and a few photos sent of a big stage. It said, time out, best party brunch, 2015, candy pants. And I'm like, ah, like we did not know about this. And then I remember messaging you, you're getting inundated with messages. And I think I said to you, look, you, you better get ready, mate, and go to that after party and go, go shake some hands and collect that award. Well, that was the thing. I mean, I don't know the full story. What I've previously since heard is that I think it got to the point where there wasn't even really a category for this because party brunch wasn't a thing. But 
yeah. think what we'd done had, you know, I don't want to sound like we're blowing our own chocolates here, but we'd clearly done something that was different. And, yeah. you know, a magazine like that had kind of said, well, you know, you can't not recognize that. And I guess it kind of went from there really, didn't it? Um, yeah. And I think, I think that the, the, the same, um, I think that same summer, um, we started to evolve things a bit more. And, and I think that was when we, we, um, we pushed the boundaries and did, did our first mega brunch, um, like in a tent, which had questionable air conditioning. Um, and, um, I think it was, we didn't really get much support. So there was me, you, load of cranes, um, setting up for five days and, um, we managed to, I think we managed to sell it to somewhere, what, around seven, eight hundred people for that first one to make it mega, to make it yeah. like a big, a big deal. Um, well, seven to eight hundred very warm people turned up that day anyway. And, um, I guess from that moment on, from, from a brand perspective, um, that really helped set up our infrastructure for what people know now in that, in, in, in the city, which kind of brings us on to where we went next, really. I think that's that 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 is an example, if ever there is there was one, of there is a myth that, you know, in our jobs it's very glamorous, you just rock up to parties. But if there was ever an example of debunking that myth, it's me and you stood in what was can only be described as a giant greenhouse, probably the size of a football pitch, with no aircon in the middle. It was the size of a football pitch. It was huge. <laughs> In the, in the middle of Dubai summer, in our boxer shorts, dripping wet, moving furniture, because yeah. it, was, it was just us. There was no one else. It was. And it was. It was mad, really, at that time. To so. look back, it's, it's funny. And from there, so obviously Dubai kind of it kind of snowballed. I guess the brunch and became its own. It's a beast in its own right, really. But from there, kind of you, Ibiza was next. Is that right? Yeah. So from. Um, we started our journey in Ibiza around 2017. Um, I, funny enough, I got a phone call um, from an old friend um, that was involved in the circ event in, from Dubai in 2013. And um, he called me up and said, oh, we're building a STK in Ibiza. And I was like, oh, wow, that's, you know, big, you know, global sort of American brand. Um, and he was like, yeah, he goes, we've got a pool um, outside that's part of the hotel. Why don't you do um, like there's no brunch here. Why don't you do brunch? And I'm like, okay, let's, let's run with it. Let's give it a go. Um, I felt like, I mean, for those listening today, I think that, you know, that, that, that concept didn't quite work. I think we're a bit ahead of the curve in terms of like bringing what we learned in Dubai and bringing it back to like Europe and stuff. Um, it's because like brunch yeah. is a thing now, isn't it? And brunch, yeah, it's becoming the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we quickly decided to move what bookings we had um, into the evening, which was what SDK is known for. I remember that night; it was a very, it was a busy, busy restaurant. There was some big influential characters in town, um, and at the event, I think the I think the owners of Ultra Music Festival were there, um, and I guess that's where we built our. Um, our concepts in dinner disco and Doris's dinner party from that night. And that's where we've kind of 
now home to in Ibiza. And as a result, over the past few years, we've 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 developed um, a residency in Dubai, as as we all know, as, as you know, um, in the downtown branch, and um, that kind of brought us into where we did um, a big one-off party at the um, Miami South Beach branch, and that was kind of the next phase of the journey where um, we took the brand um, to America. Well, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's the big one, taking candy pans across the pond. So do you want to maybe go in a bit more? Because I, I don't think a lot of people know about the Miami thing, to be honest, do they? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I think that like it was March 2018. Um, that was our 10-year anniversary. And one of my big sort of secret um, like goals was to sort of get the brand over to America and especially to a place, you know, like Miami or New York or all the, or what I view as like sort of the pinnacle of nightlife, like Las Vegas. Um, and the opportunity came up to do something, um, at STK. And I thought, well, um, it was Miami music week. Um, we had a relationship with like the owners of ultra music festival and, um, and we managed to piece together a, a two day event where we did, um, uh, dinner disco party on the Thursday at the South Beach um, STK, um, which went really well. And then one of our residents, um, Mick Willow, um, we got him on the lineup at Ultra at one of the um, one of the stages. So it was quite an epic, iconic sort of period, um, as well as a big hangover. But that's right. a different story. <laughs> <laughs> so from Miami. I suppose yeah. that leads us on to, well, the big one, really, right? Vegas. Uh, yeah. Um, I think when we turn 10, a lot of, um, I think there's a, a lot to be said about um, a brand that can go, you know, go on for um, that amount of time, really. And I think t- 10 years was like a big milestone. And, you know, when we when we hit that and people saw what we were doing, you know, in Dubai, in Ibiza, Marbella, around the UK and, and then like, you know, setting foot in, in America, um, you know, more that, that kind of like fueled more people to reach out to us. Um, yeah. and then, you know, um, one of the biggest operators in, in America and, um, maybe even the world, um, in our industry anyway, Tau group, they, they, they reached out to us and, um, we, we ended up doing a pool party in Las Vegas, which was very surreal. I feel like you brushed over that a little bit. Like <laughs> to get things straight, there was obviously there was billboards around Vegas. I mean, one of the lads got a, a candy pants tattoo because he thought that. Well, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll elaborate on that. Um, <laughs> so the, I mean, the billboards were very surreal um, to see, you know, the the candy pants brand and um, our artwork on billboards on the strip was a very sort of, you know, surreal um, moment really and feeling because, you know, it's kind of like the pinnacle of nightlife at that point. We've probably, we've had 10 years of experience. You know, you put the team together, we've had 20 years of experience and there's not a party that we haven't kind of done or not made work. So it was a case of like, right, well, let's, you know, we, we all knew what we had to do. Um, you know, even if we were blind drunk, I think we all knew what we had to do, but 
you know, the, it was just very surreal. Um, and as we got closer to the event and closer to, um, or, or even on the day, it was more, for me, it was more about, right. It's not about basking in the glory now. It's like me being me. It was like, right. How do we move forward from this? What's next? You know, what's, what's next short, medium, long term. And it was like, well, how do we make this work and how do we come out the other side and what we're going to do? Um, um, there was, it was a big, like European UK, like crowd over, um, and, you know, once everyone knew that, um, they were, they were going to the fight, they were going to, um, Vegas, they, and they got wind that we were on, we were getting the, the, the bookings. Um, but it, I feel like whenever we do stuff and it's become a bit of a running joke within the candy pants team is that sometimes things don't always go our way. So when we woke up that day and bear in mind, you know, we're in the desert. Uh, it was, it was, um, cloudy. It was raining. It was windy. And it was cold. I was a bit like, it was very well, yeah. cold. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think it was cold enough that, uh, everyone bought hoodies and everyone wore hoodies at a pool party. So that's kind of how cold it was. And we couldn't show off, uh, one of the DJs newly inked tattoos that we got the night before, because when I said to him two years before that, I'll get you in, I'll get you playing in Vegas in, you know, at some point in the future, he goes, if you get me, if you get me, uh, playing in Vegas, I'll get a tattoo, a candy pants tattoo. So we held him to that. And he's now got one somewhere. I think it's under his arm. So I mean, if that, you see that, Tango anywhere, that's asked to see it. I think there's a root, root CP somewhere, little sign, little plaque on his, on his arm. I mean, that was the memory for me. I mean, to be, to be, I think it was the night before the event, we're on Vegas Strip. There's a billboard with candy pants on right in the middle of the strip, flashing the brand that we've all worked so hard to build. And, the lads are there. Obviously, their faces are on. The lads, the DJs, and there's Tango. There's a tattoo shop. You're getting a tattoo right now because you promised two years ago. If we ever got here, yeah. you were getting one. I guess that kind of like so. It brings us a little bit up to speed now. So it's ten years. Yeah, yeah, up to speed. The event, the event, by the way, um, exceeded the expectations of the venue. Um, we pulled it round, even though it was a, a dark, wet, windy day. And yeah, that kind of brought us to that sort of iconic moment within our history. So just to kind of stick on that for a second. Yep. You've got the 10th birthday, yep. an event that you kind of started in a nightclub in your hometown. You've taken it across Europe. You've taken it into the Middle East. You then take it into America. I know you, so I kind of got an issue, an idea where this answer may go. But did you at any point just stand there and go, Done pretty well here. Um, not, not really. I mean, there's a, there's occasions where I actually like step out of it and think, Jesus Christ, what's going on? This is a right. bit mad. Um, but you know, I'm not one to bask in my own glory, and um, like I said, I've always got that. Well, what's next? You know, what? You know, um, what is what's our next move? And um, it was a key. You know, it's, I don't know, maybe it's not in my makeup, should I yeah. say. Well, I suppose that leads me a little bit on nicely to kind of where I was going to mm. go next and that yep. anyone who knows you knows that, you know, 
you tend not to stand still. You tend to be the busiest man that certainly I know. <laughs> um, but obviously all this time you've spent working in nightclubs and in restaurants and brunches and all the rest of it, that must have led you to maybe some other opportunities to do other things, not just candy bands. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we're, we're, we're blessed to uh, work in our industry and, you know, with that, you meet a lot of people with different backgrounds, different skill sets, you know, across the world, made some great friends. Um, an opportunity came up um, to open um, a restaurant in my hometown, Leeds. And I kind of ran with it at that point. Um, and, you know, it's sort of, you know, it's um, it's still running today. It's, it's called Man's Market. Um, it was... It was built off um, trying to prove a point to some family. I remember um, my uncle had a very successful business in London, a really successful restaurant, which then sort of downgraded as he got older into um, into a takeaway. Um, and I remember being in London when I was in my, the corporate period of my life and just saying to him, if business isn't as good as you'd like it to be you should really do some maybe some marketing um like drop some flyers off at the local like in the local neighborhood and he kind of shot me down and you know and it kind of made me think about sort of business then and think about sort of the mark the chinese food market and having kind of come from a um a background of chinese um i kind of grew well i grew up in a chinese takeaway um for those that don't know and it kind of pulled me into that sort of that statement pulled me into doing what that making that restaurant basically i watched the market for over 10 years nothing changed and the opportunity came up to do uh, a site came up in leeds and um basically i'm built something from um nothing really in terms of what what it is today and i think if you say a chinese restaurant to a lot of people they have maybe an image in their head and Anyone who's been to Man's Market know that it's probably as far from what you'd imagine a Chinese restaurant to be. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, everyone remembers. Like, I grew up in a, I grew up in a, in a Chinese takeaway, and eventually worked in my uncle's restaurant uh, to learn that side of things. And you know, that restaurant had a fish tank, it had a dragon on the wall, it had a carpet. Yeah. Um, it had. It, we were all in black dicky bows, um, and. <laughs> You know, there was basically maybe one non-Chinese person working there, and that was the DJ on a Friday and Saturday night. Right. Um, so Man's Market was really built um, as as a bit of a project to go against that. Again, being a bit different. Again, trying to be a, a bit of a market leader and doing things differently. And there's there is certainly no fish tank. There is a there's there's no dragon on the wall. There's no carpet. The only Chinese person working there is the chef, David, and um, the kitchen is big and open and everyone can see in it. So once I pulled a team together, got the approvals, um, it was it started to move very quickly in that period. And um, I took it upon myself. And this is what goes back to CP. You know, I thought I went through my phone book and thought, do I know an electrician? Do I know a plumber? Do I know somebody that can do air conditioning? Do I know somebody that can lay, build walls, lay floors, build a kitchen? Do I know a chef? Do I know this and that? And um, I pulled everyone together and 
we opened in November 16. And uh, which brings me on to, this is how mad everything's been over the past three, four years. But it, in December 16, um, my friend threw his uh, 40th birthday party at the restaurant and um an old friend of mine uh, mason uh, came to me during that and went dude i'm ready to go with what we've been discussing for like the past four years and i'm like ready to go with what and he's like well you know the, the idea of doing candy pants clothing i'm like oh my god like not not right now he goes no i'm ready i've got i've got a team um ready i've built a team everyone's going to start in january and i'm like what you know, you, you can't, you can't do this to us. Like we, we barely just built this and got it going. Um, which kind of brings us on to the clothing. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I seem to see this candy pan swimwear is like everywhere now, isn't it? How did that start? Well, me and Mason, um, old friends from Leeds. Um, and he said to me, look, my company, my business is fashion. We, um, we supply a lot of the high street retailers with, um, like underwear and swimwear and everything. And I really seen what you've done with the brand. Obviously, I've partied at it, and I've you know I really want to. Um, I think that there's legs in the candy pants clothing line, and I was like, okay, like this sounds interesting. And before before I knew it, we were sat at Arcadia, the 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 company that owned Topshop and a load of others, and we were sat in their canteen on Oxford Street, um, speaking to like um, the the owners, right hand man. And the, the, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was like, oh, I love, I love everything that you're doing. Um, but I, I just don't think you're quite there yet or ready yet, or you've quite understood what you, who you are, what you're doing, uh, as a brand. And, um, so every year from there, me and Mason spoke, and it was always like, I'll pull up at his office. We'd talk about it. Then maybe six months later, we'd reconnect. And so for him to sort of, it, you know, like come to me in December, it, it was probably four years of thinking about it, um, you know, and he's been working on it behind the scenes, getting his strategy right and everything. And, and yeah, I mean, we've, we, we launched in 17 and, um, the, um, swimwear, um, sits on ASOS. Um, we were in 10 top shop stores last year and it's on Namshi in the Middle East which is pretty bonkers. Back back in that period, it was clearly evident that the brand was evolving. It was really changing the uh, direction of the brand. And, you know, one of the big things that I wanted to tick uh, was music because, you know, um, I feel like fashion, music, events, they all go hand in hand. Um, the plan was to launch Candy Pants Music in four, maybe five different stages. And... First stage has already been launched, so we've um, we've we've got a platform now on Spotify, which everyone um, is aware of, with different types of playlists, uh, from workout uh, to brunch to poolside. Um, we've even got a lockdown one, which is quite relevant at the minute for everyone listening. <laughs> um, and then the, the the second and the third part was really what we're on today, um, with our network and our uh, our black book and the contacts we've met all around the world and friends. Um, been fortunate to have met a lot of industry leaders and I felt like it was, um, we were well-placed to um, build a platform um, so people understood, you know, who is uh, behind um, 
you know, certain um, big brands in different sectors, like, you know, who is, who's behind, um, you know, the, the club that you always go to or who is behind that rest- that favorite restaurant of yours or who, you know, who's behind that big group or who's behind that sport pack company that organizes the boxing. And so we've got that um, because of that network. And that's, that's the sort of second phase um, of, of what we're trying to do. And I know that you've committed your time to being the, the presenter, Nick. So respect and fair play. Um, and, and then the third one, which you just briefly touched on earlier was, we're launching radio, so we'll be um, we'll be launching radio um, at some point um, soon, and we'll be having a weekly show um, that's that's probably going to help gel and merge all everything we're doing together. Um, and it should um, it should be on some um, major global stations um, at some point in the near future. So that kind of ties those three elements up together, and the fourth and the the fifth, which will probably come slightly later, but for anyone listening, don't hesitate to contact us. Is you know we'll be looking to sign um, new records, new artists, and you know something I want to do personally is really want to help grow the next generation of DJs and give something back and give them a platform to um, pl- you know platform of events to play out to and a platform for their music to be heard and and maybe on in terms of on the podcast for their for their views and their opinions to be voiced as well. So, final question. This is something I'm going to try and do with everyone. If you could make a phone call to Ray Chan, the 17-year-old who's just thrown a party with all of his underage mates, what would you say to him? Like, what advice would you give him? Um, I'd give him a call, I'd say to, and I would say to him, um, be proud of what you're doing. Uh, be proud of what you achieved, having had no experience or knowledge or anything. Um, enjoy it. Learn from it. Life's about living. Um, so you've got to learn from your mistakes. But also, you know, something that I didn't really, you know, I, I did a lot of self-learning and winged my way through. Um, then kind of woke up and realized everything was like, you know, there, there's a huge opportunity I'd tell that 70-year-old me to focus on it a lot earlier, maybe educate themselves a bit on it earlier and actually steer themselves that way without discovering it uh, and also to just be um, patient, focused and consistent. Sounds like a lot of things you try to tell me, quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, every day. Um, so I think that brings us to the end, to be honest. So if people want there to is. keep an eye on what you're up to, where can they find you on Instagram and stuff like that? Yeah, um, Instagram wise, it's Ray um, C H number eight N. So Ray Chan with a eight on the second A, um, and I'm I'm on there. I'll be honest. I think seventeen year old Ray would be pretty blown away if somebody was to tell him what Ray would go on to achieve. I know that probably listening back, even I am, and I know the story pretty well. Um, yeah. But, you know, it probably wouldn't have been right to have anybody else as our first guest. So thank you very much for coming on. I more than anyone no understand how busy you are. So thanks for being our first guest. And I guess this has been the very first Candy Pants podcast. And this has been the journey of Ray Chan. No worries. Thanks, mate. That's it. I think I've just about managed to survive our first ever podcast and I hope you have too. 
We're going to keep going with the podcast over the next few weeks. Um, We've actually got some really good guests. People, even I am very surprised they have agreed to it. But if you are still looking for your daily dose of candy pants, there is plenty you can listen to in the meantime. Music-wise, we've got a range of free playlists on Spotify. You've just got to search Candy Pants Music and they will all come up there. Candy Pants Radio is coming very soon, so keep your eyes peeled for that. And don't forget, if you are on the lookout for some swimwear for when summer, hopefully, eventually arrives, you can check out Candy Pants Store on Instagram and that is available on www.candypants.com, ASOS and Namshi 2. P.S. People who know a lot more about podcasts than I do tell me at this point I'm meant to say, if you have enjoyed this episode, please, please, please click subscribe. You'll both get all of the episodes directly to your phone as soon as they're released, and you'll also make me very, very happy. So thank you very much for listening. This has been the very first Candy Pants podcast, and we'll see you very, very soon. Very, very soon.